0: You're listening to the Grace Through Faith Weekly Podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. How are y'all? Awesome. So, are we, are we going to get the lights back? Is that possible? Okay. All right, we're working on it. So, y'all just hang tight. I can't see your faces right now, but I trust you're smiling at me. Okay, good deal. Hey, I want to, before I jump into today's message, I want to um, call you into a time of prayer in the next couple of weeks. Um, We're, we're as an eldership, um, fixing to start having some really important and uh, pivotal meetings uh, for our pastoral transition. And so I want to let you know kind of how that's going, but I want to really officially call our church into a time of prayer and fasting. I'm going to have a meeting with our elders this week, and we're going to talk about kind of getting ready for those meetings And we're going to kind of set some time apart to fast and to really press into the Lord. And so let me give you a quick update, and then I want to pray together. Um, So most of you, everybody mostly knows um, that we're uh, trying to search for the next senior pastor of Grace Through Faith. And our goal is to um, find some candidates. We've hired a consultant to help us do that. I've I've told you all about that stuff. But we're entering into, uh, in the next two weeks, a time where they're going to present several candidates to us, and then we're going to start kind of um, starting some interviews. Our goal was to hire somebody by the end of the school year, and I'm very confident that we're going to be able to do that. Okay, And so um, we're kind of getting ready for that and and kind of gearing up. And so up to this point, we've had um, 40. This is the last time I checked the numbers. It's constantly going on. And so the last time I checked the numbers, we've had 41 quality candidates that have expressed interest in moving to Dumas and being the pastor of Grace Through Faith. Yeah, no, that's good news. I think that for, for Dumas folks and uh, sometimes at GTF or just in small towns in general, we think, would somebody ever want to move to Dumas uh, and do this thing, Right. Um, especially if you lived here and you grew up here for a long period of time, it's like you see all of the the flaws. You know, whenever you're in your family, you know all your family's problems, right? And so here's the thing that I think that's happening right now in our country, but also in what God's doing for us, is a lot of people are looking for jobs. Uh, and so we have, in a really a specific way, qualified what we're looking for, Um, And so to have 41 uh, people who are interested in that is fantastic. It's a really great thing for us because we get to choose. uh, We get to be choosy. Um, And so from that 41, um, the last time that I looked at the numbers, our consultant had whittled it down to nine um, that they said, hey, these guys kind of match um, your, your specifications of what you're looking for. And so their goal within the next week is to get that down to six to five, okay? And so um, really, here's the thing that I, the reason I I want you to kind of have an update, number one, but two, we need to hear God. As elders, we need to hear the Lord and we need to hear what he's wanting and what he's doing and and we want to be in step with what the Spirit of God is doing in our church right now. And so I just want to call you to pray. Um, That's where our heart posture is. Um, we don't have a formula that's we we've done all the scientific consulting things right, and now we just need to hear Jesus. And so, as we enter into these meetings, it's like these guys are are ready to go. And so, we as we find a person who is a quality candidate that we believe God is speaking, we we're going to have to move fast because there's other churches looking for pastors too. And so, I just want to I want to pray, spend some it's just a second praying for uh, this morning, and I want to ask you as you begin to think about this in the coming weeks. Um, to be praying for GTF. Now Now more than ever, um, we need to, to have God's leadership among us. Amen? Amen? So join me in prayer. Father God, we come before you, and Lord, as the as shepherd of this house, I just surrender this flock to you. And Lord, I just, I just proclaim and direct our attention to the true shepherd, Jesus. And Lord, we've said this several times, but we say it again today, we trust you. We trust your leadership we trust that you're a good shepherd. We trust that you lead us into good things. And so father as, as change and transition happens, lord, it's it's never comfortable, but lord, we trust that you're moving us into a season where greater things can happen and more of your fruitfulness can be born for more County through grace, through faith. And so, Lord, as, as our elders have these meetings in the next couple of weeks, I just pray for a sensitivity to what your Spirit's doing and what you're saying. I pray, Father, that as you bring candidates and, and we get to meet their families and all those different things, I just pray that there would be a, a, a true sensitivity to where you are and what you're saying. And, Lord, as you, as you reveal, God, our, our commitment, God, is that we're going to follow, that we're going to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, if you would open those up this morning to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to be finishing up uh, uh, the series that I've been in through the last month titled The Jesus People Next Sunday, we have a special guest. Many of you know Greg Canada. He's going to be with us again. And, and I've been trying to get Greg here a little bit more often um, in this window of 2020, 2021, just because Greg, is, he, he, he does prison ministry. And there's not a lot of prison ministry going on right now. And so he's very available. And so we love Greg a lot. And so he's going to be here next Sunday. Um, and it's going to be a powerful time. But today, I want to finish up the series. And we, in this series, we've been talking about who the Jesus people were? Um, Matthew one twenty one says this was the the angel talking to Gabriel talking about Jesus being born. It said, "Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And the reality of what Jesus came to do is he came to yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm feeling a little, a little emotional and blue right now. <laughs> Would you help them, please, Pastor Bo? Thank you. And so one of the things that Jesus came to do was to seek and to save those who were lost. People who were, who were rejected by society and failures and had been separated from God through their sins. And listen, that includes every single one of us, right? And Jesus, the reason that he came was to seek and to save his people, those who would not be ashamed of him and to, be, to, to cause their allegiance to be known that they are Jesus' people. And so as we come out of our scene, that's not where we stayed. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, the Jesus' people become the chosen, the royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. That's good news. The Jesus people are people who have been saved and brought out of a place of darkness and sin and, and reestablished in a relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father. And so here's, the thing, here's a couple things that we've talked about throughout this, this series. Jesus people, as we've been looking about at characteristics of who Jesus people are, the characteristics that they exhibit, Jesus people sacrifice. If you want to become a Jesus person and you want to follow Jesus, one of the things that you cannot get away from is that you will be called into a lifestyle of sacrifice, sacrificing your life for His. Last week we talked about how Jesus people do the stuff. Do what stuff? Do the stuff that Jesus taught. Whenever Jesus he gave a commission to his apostles. He said, "Go into all the world baptizing and teach them to observe everything that i 've commanded you and The thing that kind of strikes me is if you believe in Jesus, if you claim to have faith in Christ, but you never do anything that he taught you to do, are you really a jesus person and james that 's where we read last week james was that this was something that was really um, firm inside of his soul. He, he said that if you have faith without works, your faith is actually dead. It's useless. If, you're, if you claim to be a Jesus person, but you never, ever do anything that he said to do, you don't forgive your enemies, you don't worship him, you don't do anything that he taught, are you really a Jesus person? See, our life needs to align with who Jesus calls us to be, and then we are proven to be Jesus people. This week what I want to do, the last characteristic I want to look at, is that Jesus' people are hungry. How many of y'all hungry this morning? Well, I want you to look at Mark chapter 5, and we're going to look at a certain lady. And many of you have probably read this story many, many times, but I want you to look at it through a different lens today. I want you to kind of get a fresh perspective, because I don't want you to focus on the miracle that's fixing to happen. I want you to focus on the drive of what happened before the miracle happened, okay? And this is the lady who pressed through the crowd. And the reason I'm calling her the lady who pressed through the crowd is because many of us refer to this woman as the woman with the issue of blood, right? But I want you to see the lady before the miracle who pressed through, who had some force in her life. She was hungry, okay? And so look at verse 24 of, of Mark chapter 5. Sorry, I'm in the wrong book. And as we pick up this story, Jesus is on the way. He's been invited to a guy named Jairus' house to actually go heal his daughter. Jairus sought Jesus out and he said, Hey, my daughter's sick. Could you please come minister to her? And I believe that she'll be healed. And Jesus is like, Sure, let's go. And on the way, they're interrupted or intervened by this lady who got through the crowd. And it says in verse 24, And a great crowd followed Jesus and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And she said to her, and he said to her rather, "'Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.'" Now one of the things that I want you to kind of pick up in here is that the crowd was so thick around Jesus, in, in the earlier verse it said that it was thronging about Jesus as he went to Jairus' house, and then whenever his disciples were answering Jesus' question of who touched me, their, their retort was just like, how do we know who touched you? Everybody is pressing in on you, Jesus. Do you know what it looks like to press? Do you know what it looks like whenever you're pressed in a crowd specifically? And I, I just, the, the, the thought that immediately comes to my mind is kindergarten t-ball. How many of y'all played kindergarten t-ball? You maybe some little, little league? Okay, a couple of you. But whenever I was a kindergartner, after t-ball games, not practice, but after games, there was this moment after a t-ball game where they opened the cooler and everybody got Shasta. <laughs> y'all, y'all know what Shasta is? It's kind of my generation's version of Fanta. But here's the thing, everybody, all my buddies that I played t-ball with, we all liked cream soda shasta. And so if you wanted one of the few cream soda shastas in the cooler, you had to get there first and everybody came at the same time. And there was a pressing that happened around the cooler. And I can remember, even as a kindergartner, right, I can remember being around all these teammates and it's like, at first, the first time I I experienced this, I was like, man, I don't want to be in there but I didn't get a cream soda. <laughs> and the next time it happened, I was like, man, I'm getting my cream soda, and I pressed through the crowd. Amen? Yeah. Fast forward to junior high. It's like this happens around sporting events or something for guys. But I can remember doing two days in football, and we, I went to Sam Houston Middle School in Amarillo, and we used to do football practice over at Sam Houston Park. And in Sam Houston Park, there was a terrible setup for watering football players after two-a-day practices. They had this little bitty fountain, y'all remember the little bitty fountains with the little little petal on the bottom of them? That was what the whole team got to drink out of after two-a-days in middle school. And so I can remember it was even worse than kindergarten t-ball, and there was a crowd gathered around this fountain, and if you wanted water, you had to press through because you only got like five minutes for water, right? This was before the day whenever they cared if you died in the middle of practice. <laughs> And so it's like if you wanted to get water, you had to get pushy. Here's the thing that I see in this woman that I want to emulate in my life. If I want everything that I need out of the kingdom of heaven, I need to press in. I need to push through. There are all kinds of excuses that I can come up with of why I don't need to give 100% today in my faith walk But what I see in this woman was she had this desire and this need to get to Jesus and this hunger inside of her that she pressed through the crowd. People who are hungry press in. And whenever they press in, they get what they need. It's it's amazing to me whenever I just look at my life. I'm not talking about yours. I'm just talking about mine. Is that whenever I approach God in a really lazy way, I don't get everything that I need and it's not his fault by the way but in those moments in my life whenever i'm really running after jesus and i'm really intentional to push in and i was like i really need you to do something in my marriage or i really need you to do something in my in my personal heart because i'm getting bitter i really need you to do something in my finances it's in those moments that i see breakthrough like we were talking about just a second ago jesus people are hungry Not all Jesus' people exhibit that hunger. There's a lot of times in my walk that I get lazy, but one of the things that I can tell you is whenever Jesus' people are really going after Jesus, it's because there's this hunger inside of them. Other people who followed Jesus that were hungry, if you think about the the friends that brought the paralytic, that, that they wanted to see Jesus touch and be healed, it's like they ripped the roof off the meeting place, right? They let nothing stand in their way from getting their friend who couldn't walk to the guy who was making the lame walk. Nothing could stand in their way, not even construction. Blind Bartimaeus, if you read his story, he was a blind man and he wanted Jesus to touch him. And he heard the commotion as Jesus was walking down the street one day and the crowd was following Jesus. And he asked somebody who was going by, he's like, what's going on? And they Jesus is here. And he starts screaming at the top of his lungs, son of David, have mercy on me. To the point where Jesus' disciples said, Jesus, could you please make him be quiet? He's a little too hungry to meet with you right now. I wish that I could say that I always approached my relationship with God with that fervor, but sometimes we don't. The twelve—you think about the, the the radical people that Jesus surrounded Himself with and called to be His apostles. These guys were radical. They left everything that they owned to follow Jesus. They left their jobs. They left their families. They left their familiarity of, of their, their town and followed Jesus. They were rowdy. They were ready to fight. You saw Peter cut off somebody's ear. James and John, they went into a town and they weren't so well received. And they said, Jesus, do you want us to call fire down on this town? And it's like Jesus, is like, nah, you don't really have the heart of God right now. <laughs> but these guys were also reckless, reckless to the point that they gave their life. follow Jesus literally died because they were Jesus people hunger is such a fundamental characteristic for a Jesus person that when it's missing it's a sign that something's wrong See, if you don't have a, a drive and a hunger inside of you to get to Jesus something's broken something's off it's not supposed to be that way Now, it's important to understand what Jesus' people are hungry for. See, they're not hungry for another sermon, although sermons are good. They're not hungry for another song. They're not hungry for a Sunday at church. They're hungry for Jesus. And the reason that I listen to sermons, the reason that I I consume worship, right, and I play worship in my, my, my car and I pray worship in my office is because I want to experience a moment with Jesus, See, what Jesus' people are hungry for is Him. Now, Jesus' people aren't just hungry. They also have a fire in their belly. I want you to think about that for just a second. Jesus was a fiery dude. He's the Prince of Peace. He was a very gentle, kind... It's like the the fruits of the, the Spirit He exhibited in perfection... But one of the things that you can't say about Jesus is that he was dull. That he was complacent. He was a fiery dude. If you read through scripture, you see these things about God. And one of the things that it reveals in in the book of Hebrews is that our God, you can insert here Jesus if you want to, our God is a consuming fire. John, the apostle, whenever he wrote the book of Revelation... If you've ever read the first couple of chapters of Revelation, it kind of gives you the context of how John got this book. And it says that he was in the Lord's presence one day on the island of Patmos, and he heard this voice behind him. That's where the whole book comes from. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as John hears this voice behind him, it says he turned and he said, The the voice was like a trumpet. And he turned and he looked and he saw one like the Son of Man, and his his beard and his hair was white as wool, and he had fire in his eyes. Jesus is a fiery dude. Jesus came, he says this, he came to release a fire on the earth. See, one of the things Jesus talks about whenever he's teaching, I think this is in Matthew chapter 16. probably getting that wrong right now but one of the things he says don't assume that i came to bring peace to the earth i didn't but i came to bring a sword and i desire to release a fire upon the earth and he says and in that reality the point of his teaching is that what you'll see happen from this point forward is that in a person's household a father will turn against his son a daughter against her mother a father-in-law against his daughter-in-law. It's like there's this thing that happens if you want to become a Jesus people that Jesus is a divider in the earth. You either love him or you don't. Jesus was saying there's this reality and this fire that I'm going to release on the earth that it's going to divide people. It's going to divide nations. It's going to divide the entire world on one subject. Are you a Jesus person? Jesus is the Prince of Peace but he comes with fire to establish that peace. Now, it stands to reason that if Jesus is a fiery dude, then Jesus' people might be a little bit fiery too, right? Now, listen, if you're a follower of Christ and, 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 and you just, like you find yourself in a place today where it's like, I don't really feel like I have the fire. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second, and I want to help you get your fire back. But one of the things that you cannot deny is that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Jesus person, you're called to be fiery. As a matter of fact, Jesus came to baptize Jesus' people in fire. That's what Matthew chapter 3 says. I want to read it to you. It's going to be up on the screen for you. This is the, John the Baptist, and he was prophesying about Jesus, and whenever Jesus comes, and he says in verse 11, I baptize you, this is John talking, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You remember the upper room, Acts chapter 2? You remember the story? Jesus told his disciples, he said, listen, this, this scripture's on the back wall right here. They had a mission to do, and he said, I'm releasing you into the world. But do not leave Jerusalem. Stay in the upper room until you receive the Holy Spirit that was prophesied, that my Father promised that he would send to you. And they stayed there, and they prayed, and they pressed in. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out He baptized, this scripture was fulfilled. He baptized them in the Holy Spirit, and it says in Acts chapter 2 that something that looked like tongues of fire sat on their heads. There was a fire released among the Jesus people. Some of you are already sitting here, you're asking yourself this question, but, but what if I'm not a fiery kind of person? See, whenever I say fiery, I don't mean loud. Whenever I say fiery, what I mean is passionate. Jesus' people are intensely passionate about Jesus. And maybe you're a more subdued person. You're quiet in your personality and all those different things. Listen, there's this fire that burns inside of us. Jeremiah spoke about it. He's like, it's like this fire shut up in my bones. And it drives me, what? To follow Jesus. Jesus. To do what he's called me to do, to sacrifice, to do the things. Jesus people are hungry. Now, here's the thing that I think, as you kind of think about this fiery person that we're following in Jesus, is we need to embrace the fire. Why? Why do you need to become fiery? Is because Jesus has called you to a mission. Just like he did the 12. Acts chapter 1 says this, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, verse 8 says, whenever he's come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God has called you to reach your family. Jesus people. He's called you to minister to your friends and your coworkers, your city, your school. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to exhibit the fire inside of you, you have to begin to churn in your soul and to yearn for the hunger of God so that you can exhibit to the world the light inside of you. The reason that you need to embrace the fire from Jesus is so that you can do what he's called you to do. You won't be able to do it without it. This was imperative that he told his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until this happens. Get the fire deep inside of you and then go. And keep going and keep going. Fire isn't bad. But you know what is bad? Being lukewarm. Why don't you turn over to Revelation chapter 3 and I want you to... I know... Almost everybody in the room and everybody listening online has, has heard that, te- that term before, lukewarm. But I want to read this again this morning with this in mind. Jesus' people are hungry. And if you want to continue to generate hunger inside of your soul for Jesus, you cannot be tepid. It can't be there. And whenever you find moments in your life and, and seasons in your life, whenever you feel this lukewarmness begin to settle on your faith, do everything in your power to solve that. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus is preaching and prophesying to the seven churches. And he begins to talk to the, the church in Laodicea and it says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, Blind and naked. So I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself in the shame of your nakedness and it may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I want you to think about that term lukewarm and think about your own life, okay? Do you like tepid coffee? Ah. Well, if you do, you're weird. I'll just throw that out there, okay? I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that's a little odd because we like our coffee hot or cold. I don't know why people put ice in coffee, but it's a thing, right? We want it one or the other. But if you have coffee that's been sitting on your desk for two days and you pick it up and take a sip, yeah, that's exactly the image that Jesus is trying to create. It's like, that's not right. It's gross. It's gross. It's not supposed to be that way. And that's the point of what Jesus is trying to get across to the church of Laodicea. I know your works. Jesus' people do the things that Jesus taught them to do. I know your works, and you are neither hot nor cold. I would rather you be one or the other. See, Jesus makes this definitive statement in verse 16. So because you are tepid, lukewarm... And neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm Jesus people have lost their appetite for him. That's the reality. In solving this, what Jesus says in verse 18, he says, I counsel you to do this. If you want to solve the problem of tepid Christianity, this is what you need to do. You need to recognize that you need him. Because see, the lukewarm Laodicean person that's, that's listening to this message, Jesus puts his finger right on the problem. He says, this is what you're doing. You're, you're saying, I've prospered and I don't need anything anymore. Yeah. And I think that whenever we have that attitude, and listen, this is a we thing. We've all been here. Whenever we begin to see successes and we begin to rack up wins in our journey, we begin to forget the fact that we need Jesus. We lose sight of the fact that He is the one who is the fire within us that's caused us to win. Now, if you've lost your fire, I want to help you get it back. Look at verse 19. Let's continue to read in Revelation chapter 3. It says this, he goes on, He says, "Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me." Now, if you're here today, and you're a Jesus person, and you've lost your fire, you begin to really kind of take inventory of your heart. You go, "You know, I'm, I'm really not that hungry." It doesn't bother me that I haven't had an encounter with Jesus in a very long time. Whenever I worship, I really don't have this this connection and intimacy with God. Whenever I read the Word, it's like there's no revelation there. Have you ever been there before? I have. And if you're in that place right now, I want to help you with it. Because we all need that in our life. This is what Jesus says. He says, you know, this is where you are. Listen, I love you, and that's why I'm pointing this out. I discipline those whom I love, and that's the only reason I'm talking about this with you. Not because I hate you. You know, I think that whenever we hear the imagery of Jesus spitting us out of our mouth, we struggle with all of the rejection, right? But Jesus reveals the motive. He loves you. That's the reason he's pointing this out. He wants you to be close. He wants you to have hunger. He wants you to burn and have passion inside of your soul for him. And so he said, this is the solution. Come to me, okay, and I want you to buy from me all these things. And he gives several things, but he gives these two really specific things to do. Be zealous and repent. Be zealous. Now, that word zealous means to desire someone intently and to pursue them passionately. It can be a person or a thing, right? It can be an object or a person, but whatever it is that you're zealous for, you have fire for. Whatever it is that you're zealous for, you're hungry for. Amen? And so what Jesus says is, he says, what I need you to do, if you're going to correct this in your life, is be zealous and repent. Turn from your, your you know, this place of being lethargic in your faith and lazy in your faith and immobile in your faith and begin to reach again. See, one of the things that we have to do if you want to begin to generate a hunger inside of your soul and a fire inside of your spirit for Jesus again is to take a step. You have to. How is it that you're going to get back into the gym? you got to go. It really, I mean, it, you can't make it too, you can, You got to do all the, the, the emotional gymnastics to get yourself motivated to go do that. But at some point in time, you got to get the keys and get in the car and go. And what Jesus is saying is, if you want to solve this, take a step. Come to me. I counsel you to buy from me. Take a step towards me. This is what James says. In James chapter 4, he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Take a step. If you need God to move in your life again today, initiate it. And here's what you're going to find if you'll do this is that Jesus is the one who's more zealous for you than you are for him. See, the image that Jesus gives of this door, okay? He gives this commandment. He said, if you want to solve this, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door, and I'm the one knocking. All you got to do is turn the knob and open up to me. Take a step. And whenever you and I, we take a step, whenever we draw near to God, we discover this reality. It's like, oh, you were here all along. Oh, you were pursuing me. I thought that I was, you know, I had lost you and that you were far off, but he was right there. All we have to do to solve the hunger issue in our heart is to repent and go, God, I don't want it to be this way. And we go to the door that has been being banged on for many days now, and we turn the knob. Take a step. Here's what I want to do this morning. I think that there's some of us that God is speaking directly to you right now. Yeah, worship team, if y'all go ahead and come on up. God is drawing you into this place where He's making you realize that you haven't had any hunger, you've just kind of been going through the motions. It's like I listened to the sermon, and I read my Bible, and I sang the song, and it's like there's no intimacy. There's no passion. Jesus' people were not made to live that way. Whenever you see inside of you this lack of hunger, it's just a sign that something's wrong. You haven't committed the unpardonable sin. You haven't gotten to this place where you you can never come back to God. It's just there to make you aware of the reality. It's like, you know what? I'm not made to live like this. And whenever you have that knowledge inside of your soul, do something about it. So I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. If you need communion elements, if you just raise your hand, we have some ushers that we'd be glad to get you something in here. pray is just a response to the Lord and that response is you taking a step and saying Jesus I want to be passionate again I want the fire I want the hunger deep within me that causes me to pursue one of the things that I pray for often in my relationship with the Lord is God would you give me the want to I don't know if you've ever experienced that but there's there's times whenever I recognize within me it's like I don't really want to we acknowledge Jesus I need you it changes something it shifts the heart And so I just want to pray this prayer and if you agree with this prayer I just want you to in the quietness of your heart maybe through the, the noise of your mouth begin to express your need to Jesus Lord we come to you today and as we have these elements we're reminded of the price that you've paid for this relationship you gave it all You held nothing back. And Lord, I just, I ask God that you would forgive me, that you would forgive us today where we have lost the, the, the reality inside of our soul that we need you desperately. You are like air in our lungs. You are like blood in our veins. We cannot have life without you. So Jesus, would you restore the hunger and the fire in your people today.